To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. This podcast contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all listeners. For those of you brave enough to stick around, enjoy the show. Welcome to the We Still Booze Podcast, brought to you by WideRightNattyLight.com, your one-stop Iowa State online blog shop. Throw me the bootleg and I'm gone. Then I take a few steps and I keep left and the people take a deep breath and I'm up in your end zone. 816 boys, we repping connected with Iowa State. Play out a position and it's checkmate if you have Welcome Cyclone fans to another episode of the Wide Right Natty Light Podcast. This is Austin with you tonight. I go by Clone Peach on the site. Tonight we have a special guest with us, uh, Joseph Hoyt, the new beat reporter for the Ames Tribune. I'm going to bring him on here in just a little bit. Before I do that, though, don't forget to, to leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes. Tell us how we're doing. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what else you'd like to hear on the Wide Right and Eddie Light podcast. So at this point, uh, Joseph, who's, who's new to, to Ames and the Ames Tribune, on behalf of Wide Right and Eddie Light and Cyclone fans, I'd like to, to welcome you to Iowa. How are we doing tonight? Hey, thanks for having me, Austin. Uh, I'm doing, uh, doing well. Um, you know, I, I always love the uh, SB Nation uh, site names, and uh, when I found Wide Right and Eddie Light, it was, uh, I was pretty impressed. I think it's a good one. <laughs> now, the... What what confuses some people is when we bring on someone credible like you. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do is satire and, and humorous. So I can assure all our listeners right now that uh, this is in fact you, and uh, you actually do cover 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 the team for a living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's in my job title. So uh, yeah, it's on Twitter. We're good. <laughs> Now, Joseph, where are you uh, originally from, and, and where did you uh, do some work before this? Yeah, I'm uh, originally from San Francisco, a uh, suburb right outside of it called uh, San Bruno. Um, and then I hightailed it up to uh, the University of Oregon for four years, where I did freelancing for the Register Guard, the uh, local newspaper there, covering high school sports and stuff. And then I covered the Oregon football team for the uh, student newspaper, the uh, Daily Emerald for about three years, um, got to go to the national championship and cover them. Um, and then after graduation, I went down to Dallas and, in, and interned with the Dallas Morning News this fall before, uh, coming up to Ames. Um, so I've been kind of bouncing around a little bit ever since I left home. Had you been to Iowa before you took this job? Nope. It was the uh, first time in the Midwest. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you never really thought, think you'll live in a place until you actually do it. Um, so the job came my way, uh, you know, and I just kind of, you know, took it and jumped out here. Uh, it's been, it's been a good, uh, been a good welcome so far though. I, you know, it's my first time ever living in snow. 
so my I drove for the first time in snow the other day, and uh, I was the uh, the person people were honking at going about 15, 10 miles an hour slower. So if you see a California license plate name that's and they're going really slow, it's probably me. <laughs> so you uh, you packed up all your stuff in your in your car and, and drove here, did you? Yeah, yeah. It was funny because uh, my last uh, thing I did for the morning news was I covered a high school playoff game on a Friday night. And then I finished the game, got, uh, went to, you know, filed my story, went to Taco Bell, uh, ate there just before closing time, got in my car and drove 10 hours immediately up to uh, Ames through the night. Um, probably something I won't ever do again. I was exhausted. Um, but uh, I had to make it in time for my uh, mattress shipment. So I did that. <laughs> now, in Ames, uh, how, many, how many times have you eaten at Hickory Park already? Uh, zero. Um, it's something I've, I was told, it's something I was told to go do too. And I haven't actually made it out there yet. Um, but it's, it's definitely on the to-do list. And, uh, last, last name question for you. Have you found any, uh, good watering holes that, uh, you've become, uh, prone to going to? Um, the one, uh, I have to check out the, uh, the campus area bars and main street bars. I haven't been down there yet. Um, but I live right by um, the sports page, which is a kind of newer place, and it's literally down the block from where I live. So I've been kind of uh, just every once in a while stopping in there, um, which has been cool. They got a, one of my favorite Oregon beers on tap, so it's uh, it's definitely a good place to uh, to grab a drink. What is what Oregon beer is that? It's uh, it's called Fresh Squeezed IPA from Deschutes. Um, and uh, it's from uh, Bend, Oregon, um, which is about two and a half hours from uh, Eugene. And uh, it's a very big, uh, very big beer. The state of Oregon is a very big, you know, kind of craft beer state. Um, and Fresh Squeeze is one of my favorites. So it's it was definitely a uh, a draw to go to uh, the sports page. Well, I've I've had that before. Now I feel like a big dumbass because I think the last time I ordered it uh, somewhere had, had it and I wasn't sure how to pronounce it I think I said Deutsches or, or something like that and the bartender <laughs> gave me uh, a nasty look and uh, it turns out deserved, deservedly so but it is it is pretty tasty yeah yeah so now, now you got it going forward to shoot so we're good <laughs> <laughs> well you, you've come from uh, Oregon football and now you're at Iowa State football and, the, and those are basically on the on the same same level of play, if you will. You know, they both play for perennial national champions and, and things like that. But <laughs> Oregon, uh, Oregon just hired a, a new coach, Willie Tager. What are what are your thoughts on that hire? Yeah, you know, it's so it was the first time Oregon had fired a coach in 40 years. Um, they had just been promoting within house. Um, you know, you go back. You know, Halfridge was from Chip Kelly, um, and it's just all the way down the line. So you knew that it was going to be, you know, different. Um, you know, a lot of Oregon fans were clamoring for more splashy hire. You know, P.J. Fleck was out there. I mean, I can only imagine the marketing opportunities that Oregon would have done with its, with Row the Boat um, if, if that was a possibility. Uh, Chip Kelly had some late fire there, I'd, which was, you know, I don't think was ever really a thing, but, you know, fans were screaming for it. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good hire. Um it's a guy that has a great recruiting history across the nation. Um, and, you know, it's a guy that comes from the Jim Harbaugh coaching tree. 
Jim Harbaugh actually tweeted, you know, saying he's now an Oregon fan because of uh, Willie Taggart. So, you know, when Harbaugh tweets something, it uh, it definitely means something. Um, so I think it's a I think it's a different kind of hire for Oregon, not the splash that a lot of people were looking for, but I think it's a kind of good thing, at least interesting thing to look forward to uh, for Oregon fans. As a student reporter uh, or a student at the time and a, and someone covering the football team, how hard is that to, to be objective of a team from the school that you're going to and, and separate yourself from being a fan and just covering the team? Yeah, you know, it's, that's a that's a great question because, you know, when you first get there, I mean, you know, through high school and stuff, you go to a school and, you know, I still remember the, the year before I got there, I was watching the Rose Bowl and, uh, you know, Oregon, uh, you know, going up against Russell Wilson um, and Oregon going up against Ohio State and Terrell Pryor a couple of years before that. And, you know, you're cheering for the team. I think I grew up liking the team because they're jerseys. And so that was definitely a reason why I went to the school. But, you know, I think our student newspaper does a great job, and our journalism school does a great job of setting the line immediately that you're a professional. You know, you, I mean, even though you're a student, you're a professional, and you've got to act like it, and you've got to represent yourself and the, the student newspaper with that kind of mentality every time you go out there. Um, so, you know, when I first started covering it as a sophomore, the switch was pretty easily, pretty easy and pretty seamless to kind of go from fan you know, I mean, I'd been to every football game the year before as a freshman from fan to objective reporter because you have to, and there's no other choice. And if it's something if you really want to do, you you got to align yourself with and teach yourself those habits immediately. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned the uniforms, and depending on – it almost seems like depending on your age, it, it's the credibility as to whether or not uniforms make a difference. You just said that, you know – you know, their uniforms, flashy uniforms, and maybe it was a little tongue-in-cheek, got you to, to Oregon just as a, as a student. And I know Matt Campbell's been playing around with some different uniform combos this year, which was kind of out of the norm for Iowa State. Being out at Oregon, do you think that makes a – is that a legitimate difference for a coach to do is to change up uniforms and does it help recruiting? You know, I, you know, I, I think it actually does. Um, I mean – for some, there's there's definitely some recruits and some, you know, people that 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 doesn't matter at all. But um, it's funny because I mentioned that to another person I was having a conversation with not too long ago, and they're like, it's funny because my dad, you know, a couple years back, my dad told me that you know he doesn't like the Oregon jerseys, but you know that they're targeting younger people. Um, and, you know, it, I, th- I think it, you know, a lot of kids are drawn to the jerseys, and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier if, if PJ Fleck would have came to the row the boat stuff um, would have been really fun to see with Oregon's twist. Um, but yeah, I think the jerseys really do help. Um, you know, it's funny you brought up Matt Campbell kind of using it, you know, and I was ta- interviewed Jamie Pollard not too long ago, the AD. Um, he was talking about how, you know, Matt Campbell's a, an old man, kind of he's got an old soul, you know, he's very, uh, you know, like an old style coach, but he has such a contemporary, contemporary way of like reaching the players and recruits. Um, so it's definitely a guy that I think understands that for some players, at least recruit, I mean, the jerseys can be a recruiting tool. Um, and yeah, you know, I, it, I was, it's, I was curious to see how some fans kind of reacted to the uh, different jerseys that came this year. There were a couple interesting combos from Iowa state. It looked like. And I think at one point last year, Matt Campbell, he was hired 
hired late, and he said that uh, Nike wasn't able to get the new uniforms for the next year. And so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if maybe they're going to even change it up more next year. He said that they didn't have very much to work with, so they just used the different combos. And obviously, some of them were better than others. Uh, <laughs> do you have a Do you have a favorite that they that they used? Um, you know, I, I think it was the ones against Texas Tech. I mean, given I only actually was in person for two games. But um, I think the Texas Tech ones, I, I love white helmets. White helmets are uh, a personal favorite of mine. Um, in high school, um, we, we had blue helmets our entire – my school had blue helmets our entire, you know, program history. Um, but then there was a – we joked with uh, one of our coaches who had, you know, a, a alumni friend too – who was pretty wealthy, and we were like, you know what, if we get the number one seed in playoffs, we want white helmets. Um, and, like, we were joking with them. And we got the number one seed in our playoff section. Next thing you know, they surprised us that Monday with all white helmets. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, so I've got a personal liking to white helmets. But, um, yeah, so I think that would be my favorite. So as someone who hadn't been in Iowa uh, before you get this job, if, if you can relate to – maybe a recruit that hasn't been to Iowa from a, either West Coast, South, somewhere with a, with a little different weather and a different atmosphere, if you will, not in a flyover state. Your first impressions of Ames, what do you, what do you think they can sell recruits on when they get to campus? You know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like, I mean, I said I'd never been out to the Midwest before. So I think that there's definitely – an adjustment anywhere you're going to go. Um, I mean, there was an adjustment going from California to Oregon for me too. So I can imagine wherever these young kids go, if they're leaving home, there's going to be an adjustment. Um, you know, and I had a, you know, I did a story one time, one time on an Oregon player who was originally committed to Boise state, gave his commitment. And then three days later, Chris Peterson moved to Washington uh, and they couldn't, the new coaching staff didn't want him. So he was kind of in limbo. You know, and he told me that, you know, it really taught me that you, don't recruit to a school, you know, you recruit to, I mean, you don't recruit to a coach, you, rec- you commit to a, a school and a place, um, you know, and I think that, you know, Ames itself is a, you know, obviously the Midwest is a little bit different from the West Coast or Florida or Texas, but, you know, there's, there's definitely a cool vibe that kind of goes into Ames. There's places to go. I mean, I need to go to Hickory Park. Um, I'm sure that's definitely a recruiting selling point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you need to find the things that really separate, you know, Ames. And I think Ames does have some of those qualities for sure. But, yeah, it's an adjustment for any kid that's going to go outside of where their home is. So you, you've covered a, a national championship game. Now you come to Ames, Iowa, <clears throat> trying to rebuild under Matt Campbell. As someone who's seen in person a team playing for a national champion and now coming to Ames, just how far away are the, are the Cyclones? Do you think? And I'm not I'm not trying to say here that Iowa State's going to win a national championship or anything. But when I watch Iowa State games on TV, and then I flip over to uh, an Oregon game or an SEC game or things like that, see the the discrepancies just on television. So, in your eyes, how far away are the Cyclones from from being a, a team that can contend with? a variety of the top 25 teams in the country? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question kind of looking at them. You know, obviously they're in 
what you know the college version of a rebuilding you know situation. Um, but you know, even with you know the team, the same team that got blown out by Iowa, the same team that lost in Northern Iowa, you know, the same team that you know struggled with TCU, they still went out there for the majority of the Big 12 schedule and competed with some of the best teams. I mean, obviously it wasn't a, you know, a four-quarter kind of situation, but, you know, they, they definitely showed promise. And, I mean, that's got to be super exciting for Cyclones fans out there to know that they improved constantly. Um, I think they're still a couple years away, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's irrational to start thinking that they can make a bowl game next year. Um, you know, I think that the, Scoring margin heading into West Virginia uh, was negative six points uh, for the entire Big 12 schedule. So I mean, they were they were in a lot of games, and you know once you know Coach Campbell really can kind of put his imprint on and get the guys that he wants in there, and kind of get the guys the talent that really fits his you know what he really wants to do. Um, you know it, it's it's not unfathomable to think that they could be a team. I mean that could compete and possibly make a top 25 in a couple of years. Um, I mean, you've seen them do it before. Um, you know, that was the thing, uh, you know, kind of going back to Oregon a little bit, a lot of fans were upset over Willie Taggart's career coaching, head coaching record, and it was negative. Uh, I think it was 43 and 45. Um, but that's the guy that went into Western Kentucky and made them into a, a winning program. You know, it had to start out from a lower level. That's a guy that went to – USF and had to bring them from a two win, three win team to a 10 win team this year. So, you know, Matt Campbell's shown that kind of same ability to do that as well. So once he really starts kind of getting his guys and you can see in recruiting that they're doing pretty well, um, relatively speaking, compared to previous years that, you know, once he kind of gets his guys, we'll see what kind of happens. What are the key areas that you think they need to improve on in order to make a bowl game next year? Yeah, so, you know, I was at Oregon during the Marcus Mariota era, um, and, you know, that was kind of lightning in a bottle. Um, but he, you know, I think you can credit a, a, a lot of what Oregon's success to him. Um, and, you know, it's a combination of coaching, obviously, and his ability. But I think that, you know, and you saw it at the end of the year, I mean, Iowa State's rolling out a two-quarterback system, you know, which was doing pretty – I mean, it worked on fire on all cylinders against Texas Tech. But I think, you know, Iowa State really needs to identify a guy, and they need to get a quarterback that can really – I mean, surround themselves with other positions, obviously. But I think that they need someone at the quarterback position to really lead. Um, and, you know, I really think that Jacob Park could be that kind of guy. I mean, you're talking about a former Elite 11 guy that Matt Campbell loves. You know, and Matt Campbell – you know, even with Jacob Park's first year, Matt Campbell was kind of forced to play him a little bit, obviously, you know. Um, so I think if if that's a guy that can really develop in the offseason and they can get that kind of production out of the quarterback position, I think that that's going to be a huge thing for them going forward. Being on the, around the team the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> who's been your favorite interview so far among the players or who have you – which individual player maybe have you enjoyed – covering the most or has given the best answers to questions? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, um, you know, I think I'd have to go with Jacob Park so far. We haven't had a lot of players come our way. Um, Mitchell Harger was great. Um, so was, uh, so was, um, um, you know, Josh Jollis was great. Those guys were great, but, um, 
I think Jacob Park, you know, it's funny. We The interview we got with him was um, before West Virginia. I think it was a Wednesday or a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday because they had Thanksgiving um, that week. And he, he strolls up kind of in his uh, – he's wearing his U.S. Army All-American Letterman jacket, you know, his U.S. Army All-American T-shirt. And he kind of just, like, puts hands in his pockets, shrugs back, and, like, leans against the trophy case and interviews with us. And, you know, the guy's kind of a real straight shooter. He kind of – you know, he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. Um, you know, if you ask him kind of a question, that kind of makes him raise an eyebrow. He'll probably literally raise an eyebrow. Um, so he's, he's, he's a real straight shooter, and, I, you know, you definitely love that out of an interview. Speaking of player interviews as well, uh, towards the end of the season, uh, there were a lot of questions to players among about whether or not they're going to transfer, whether or not they're going to go to the NFL, things like that in the middle of the season. When's a fair time to ask that question, or is there a fair time, or, or what protocol do you do you face or try to observe as a journalist and whether or not to ask a kid if he's going to change schools at the end of the year? Yeah, I think that's kind of a, an interesting subject. Um, I think when the situation calls for it, you know, that's kind of a bland answer, but – you know, I mean, if you look at when some of these guys were asked, um, Joel Landing is asked about it, you know, after he had a big game. And, you know, he's – I mean, it, obviously his usage had gone down and, I mean, you could even call it a demotion. Um, and he, you know, he was a transfer guy. that He was going to graduate and, and he's going to graduate this spring. So he was eligible to transfer. You know, so it, it makes sense that, hey, you know, you've kind of lost your job a little bit. Um, and you're going to have the ability to play next year wherever you want if you want it. You know, so that kind of, you know, validates that question. Um, you know, Mike Warren was another guy that got asked those questions, and, again, he's, he's a guy that saw, you know, some of these younger guys, David Montgomery, and then, you know, you see what Kanae Nwangu, the talent he's got, and you kind of start asking yourself, you know, where does Mike Warren fit in? Um, and he wasn't getting the same amount of carries. Obviously, he was injured. Um, so, I mean, when the situation calls for it and when you start thinking it, I mean, if you're thinking it, the fans are thinking it too. So it definitely kind of validates, you know, reporting on that, I think. Do you have any good uh, Twitter stories yet from uh, targeting <laughs> maybe maybe after a game? Because uh, us Iowa State fans can be a little feisty, especially if uh, you dare to uh, – make fun of our or, or write something negative about our three and nine football team. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, you just got to look at uh, Tommy Birch's mentions to, to, to see that sometimes. Um, but, you know, I haven't had anything bad yet. It's, it's funny. I, during the, uh, during the Texas tech game about the third quarter, you know, I was the, you know, just on Twitter and saw someone tweeted, um, uh, the Cyclones are going to be two and O since, uh, you know, Joseph Hoyt was hired as the Ames Tribune beat reporter. Maybe we should make a statue for him outside Jack Tri- Jack Trice Stadium. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was pretty comical. Uh, so that's probably the extent of my uh, Twitter stories. Um, I told, I tweeted back, I would feel bad for the sculptor having to make a statue of me. Um, <laughs> so that's probably the extent of it. What is the what's the tailgating scene like out in Oregon? Oh, it's, um, you know, it's not what it used to be. Um, Oregon's kind of gone from a, uh, you know, as the program's risen, it's kind of gone from a little bit of a blue-collar to white-collar kind of switch. Um, 
Watson's not as rowdy as it used to be. That's kind of a big thing up in Oregon. Um, but, you know, I think the tailgating scene is still pretty crazy. Um, it was always fun kind of walking through there before the games when you park and you have to walk through the tailgates. Um, they, they have, like, tailgate, like, companies that do tailgates for them, and they, like, make it really ritzy and really, you know, you can rent out a spot and the tailgate company will, you know, you know, do this big, big kind of tailgate tent. Um, so, yeah, it was a, that was always cool to see. Um, I walked through the tailgate scene a little bit later than I did um, against West Virginia when I did against Texas Tech because um, I was doing a, uh, a radio interview out there. And, I mean, I it wasn't as crazy, but then again, you know, it wasn't as cold as – I mean, it wasn't as cold in Oregon as it was there. Um, I was freezing. Um so I can imagine that the, the weather and also the students were gone too. I think that probably played a big part as well. Um, so yeah, I could, uh, it's, it's always fun to see the uh, tailgate scenes that go on. So as Iowa State fans, kind of the, the highlight of a football Saturday is, is the tailgating. We kind of look for those two thirty starts and I guess early in September, the six o'clock starts are all right too. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what the uh, Iowa State game tips next year. But how hard was that? Uh, and maybe you weren't a big tailgater, but how hard is that to uh, pass up on all the uh, the pregame fun in order to to cover college football every Saturday? Because it kind of, I mean, beer and football they kind of go together, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a good point. Um, you know, it's it's funny because my family has had Forty Nine er tickets, season tickets passed down through our family for. Um, you know, since I think the early seventies. Um, so we've, you know, I've, I've been tailgating before Niner games my entire life. Um, so that was definitely a, uh, a con to becoming a, a sports writer. You miss those tailgates for sure. You miss the barbecues, you miss, you know, getting out there three hours, three and a half hours before the game and, uh, and doing that. Um, so yeah, that was definitely, uh, it's definitely something you miss when you have to cover a game and work. Back to the football here. The the coaches' all conference teams were released today. Alan Lazard and, and Cole Metton were first team. On the second team was Nick Fett, uh, Kamari Cotton Moya, Justin Thomas, and Demond Tucker. Do you think uh, Do you think that was about accurate, or was there anyone that maybe got robbed a little bit for Iowa State? I think that was about accurate. Um, I think the Nick Nick Fett story is super cool. Um, you go from walk on. And, you know, the entire Iowa State offensive line was so pieced together this year, you know, to have one of their guys get, you know, recognized, I thought was really cool. Um, you know, I don't really – I, you know, to be honest, I was kind of surprised that Allen made first team, especially after the Associated Press came out with their first and second, you know, and given there were only four receivers for those two options. But, you know, he didn't make that those lists. Um, I mean, I thought he warranted it, but I was a little surprised that he actually made it. To first team, Colton Edden was you know standard, um, so I think that I think you know it was pretty much on the money. Um, one guy that maybe you know could have been second team was Jamal Wilts, um, but I think I mean he'll take pride in being honorable mention as well. So I, I thought the the coaches kind of did a, did a pretty good job of it. Do you think a player would rather be voted on to? the writers all conference all american team or a coaches all conference all american team 
Oh, I think the uh, I think the coaches matter way more. Um, you know, I mean, because that's those are the guys that are game your that game plan against you. Those are the guys that have to deal with you day in and day out, and you know, preparing through the week and to have you know a coach identify you as one of the best in the country and the best in your conference over you know guys like me. <laughs> I think that's probably a way better uh, way better compliment. And then Matt Campbell earned honorable mention as coach of the year. What are your predictions as to where that, that vote or a couple of votes came from? That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Cliff Kingsbury threw him a vote. Um, you know, I mean, after a 66-10 beat, and it kind of probably would, you know, be polite. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of guess where some of those votes came from because, you know, if you get an honorable mention for that award, that means at least one coach voted for you. Um, maybe it was Bob Stoops. You know, play, you know they, they came into Iowa State and played a tough game and, you know, in a first-year program, and, you know, he can't vote for himself. Um, you know, Dana Holgerson was very complimentary of Matt Campbell as well. So, you know, you, you, can, you can see where some of those votes come, came from. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe Cliff probably – after the 66-10 loss was probably a good guess, though. What does Matt Campbell and, and company have to do between now and, and fighting day on the first Wednesday of February on the recruiting trail? What are their priorities as far as holding on to recruits or getting some slips and, and things like that? Yeah, I think that, you know, they're going to have to instill some excitement. Obviously, I think they already have, you know, as, with a, as good of a recruiting class as they have right now, they've got a lot of guys coming in. But, you know, I think that they got to get some guys that are really going to instill some excitement. I mean, uh, one recruit tweeted out a picture where it's him, you know, Tom Manning, John Heacock, uh, you know, McDonald, and, uh, and the linebackers coach, who I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but they're all in there, you know, to visit with him tonight, all, all, you know, all four of them, all five of them. So I think uh, – you know, if they can get something to be excited about. And obviously they can point to the end of the season, too, that um, they have tangible evidence that the team did start turning it around. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot of little things that kind of came together for the Iowa State fans to be excited about. Obviously a 3-9 and nine record, you know, nothing to get super excited about. But progress in a rebuilding mode is something that they can point to. So speaking of that progress, kind of my my ending question here for you is what early predictions do you have for next year? What would be maybe a more fair question is what should be a fan's expectations for next year? What could we what could we expect versus maybe what we're what we're hoping to see? Yeah, I mean, you if 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 you're an Iowa State fan, you got to hope and expect that your team is going to be competitive game in and game out. Um, you know, you don't want to be able to point to a game or two where your team just looked like it didn't belong on the field. Um, you know, if you can compete game in and game out, show some more signs of progress and more signs of uh, positivity. And, you know, if your team can, you know, if they can make a bowl game, I think that'd be huge for them. Um, Cause it's just more consistent trajectory going upwards. And, um, you know, that, that, that's definitely validation after two years that you have someone that's making your team better. You know, you have a coaching staff that makes, that's making your team better. Um, so, you know, I would expect 
them to compete. I mean, I would want them to – if I'm an Iowa State fan, I would want them and hope that they compete in every game, can win, you know, five to seven of those games and make a bowl game. Very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on and, and taking some time here, Joseph, uh, as, as we get on maybe into after signing day and, and some off-season stuff. Maybe we could uh, bring you on again and, and chat sometimes. Does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds great, man. Thanks again for having me. Hey, one last question. Where where can we catch you on, on Twitter, and where can we find some of your work? Yeah, yeah, just um, on Twitter I'm at J-O-E-J-H-O-Y-T, at Joe J. Hoyt. Um, retweet, we retweet from the Ames Tribune Sports account a lot. And uh, you can follow me and uh, some of our other work at uh, com slash sports. Yeah, so the, the, go check it out. Very good. Well, we appreciate Joseph coming on tonight. Uh, took some time out of, out of his night to talk some Iowa State football. Hope you had a, enjoyed getting a chance to, to get to know him a little bit. We look forward to his coverage in, in years to come. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Go ahead and, and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. This summer, wherever you're heading in the great outdoors, make your first stop the Home Depot for off deep woods or active sweat-proof bug spray. Right now, get any three for just 10 bucks in your backyard or in the woods. If it's long-lasting protection you want or sweat-proof performance you need, when off goes on, bugs go away. Stock up now on off deep woods or active bug spray, three for just 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing while supplies last.